we've been talking about the ascension of Jesus. And in John 16, Jesus is getting ready to leave the earth. And he's been preparing his followers that he's going to leave. And y'all try to imagine this. I mean, these guys were tight. They, they followed Jesus. They've watched him do miracles. They've watched him heal people. He's taught them. He's sown everything uh, that he feels they need to know into them. And now he's saying, I'm fixing to leave. I mean, that's a big deal. And so they're kind of freaking out over this. And in John 16... Uh, we'll just go to, let's start in verse 4. He says, But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I'm going to go my way to him that sent me, and none of you ask me whither I go. But because I have said these things to you, you sorrow. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient, it's crucial, it's imperative. I must go away. And they're thinking, what? You, you've been our everything. You've been our answer to all of our questions. You've shown us the power of God. You, this has been a whole new world for them walking with Jesus. And now he's saying it's expedient, it's important, it's crucial. I have to go away for you. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, well, we'll read that part next week. We'll talk about New Testament believers and the Holy Spirit next week. But when I got to this, when I decided, you know, hey, I feel like God's wanting us to talk about the Holy Spirit. A lot of these guys and gals got filled with the Holy Spirit this week. And I didn't know they were going to be here tonight, so I'm just pumped. Because sometimes we receive something and then we learn about it. Then we learn, hey, what happened here and what's this for and why did I need this? I knew I wanted it, but why did I need it? How do I, how do I make use of this relationship with this God, the Holy Spirit? And I usually will go straight to Acts right here. The book of Acts, the Holy Spirit, day of Pentecost. Rushing mighty wind, flames of fire. Who is this Holy Spirit? That's where I would go. But I'm telling you, when I started thinking about his role with mankind, and I started thinking about why are Christians so quiet about the Holy Spirit? I know, right, bro? Why? Why? In some churches, he's never mentioned. You'll hear about Jesus. You'll hear about you'll hear, hear about the Father God, you'll never, they just don't. And I even have some churches that I go to that I never hear about it from the pulpit. They teach it in Sunday school, in the back room, where the visitors aren't scared off. When the scripture plainly tells us that tongues and the Holy Spirit, it is a sign for the unbeliever, for the non-believer. And so it doesn't make sense. Who is this and why is he such a mystery to the church, to, 
to Christians when he is so imperative that Jesus said, I need to go away so he will come. Well, if he's that important, the devil himself must really want to keep this information from the church. He is a person of the Godhead. He is as much God as God, the Father is God, and Jesus the Son is God. It is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he is part of the Trinity, if you will, and they are one. They work together. They have the same objective. And, and the scripture tells us that they're one. But when I, when I started looking at this and I, all these scriptures started coming to my head, God just was like, shh, <laughs> calm down. Just calm down. And I started going back because this is what he spoke to me in my thoughts. He, Holy Spirit was not born on the day of Pentecost. <coughs> he wasn't born on the day of Pentecost. He, he wasn't something that happened after Jesus. He has always been. And so I went back to Genesis 1. And, you know, Genesis 1, when it first mentions the Holy Spirit, you can just feel how cool he is. <laughs> I mean, you can just, when you, when you read this, we're going to read it. You can go turn, turn to Genesis 1. You can, I mean, I just get chill bumps when I read the very first passage about him. And I know there's something super cool about this part of God. He, well, let's read it. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified, so if you're on a device... You can look at it in the Amplified. This crew already knows I like the Amplified because I'm a woman and I like more words. That's right. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. It was empty waste, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. This is the first time we get a visual of, of the Holy Spirit. And the earth is in a mess. We'll talk about that some other time, the pre-edemic world. We'll talk about that another time, why it was a mess. Because God doesn't create things in a mess. And God's fixing to correct this mess. So Holy Spirit, God, Holy Spirit is hovering, brooding over the waters of the deep in the darkness. Here is this part of God. I love the words hovering and brooding because I just really get a picture of, of him just waiting for the word to be spoken so he can bring it into being. And God said, let there be light. And Holy Spirit was, boom, light. This, this is who we're talking about tonight and next week. We'll talk about the, the Holy Spirit and the New Testament believer next week. But we're going to learn some things from the Old Testament tonight. And because what kept coming to me is Holy Spirit has always been Holy Spirit. And he has never changed. If, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Holy Spirit has never changed. There's not a Holy Spirit of the Old Testament and a Holy Spirit of the New Testament. 
what changed was mankind and what he could do through mankind. And I have never, when I've been doing a study of the Holy Spirit, gone anywhere, I don't think, in the Old Testament other than Genesis 1 to learn who the Holy Spirit is because I just jumped to Acts. Man, I had fun. And I had a very disruptive day, but I like to not come out here tonight, as y'all know. Oh, where do we want to go? He's not weird. Why do people why do people not talk about the Holy Spirit? Because they think it's weird. They think he's weird. And, you know, let's face it, in our Western world, if you stick the name ghost or spirit on something, people are weirded out. They're just, they're weirded out because they can't put a body on it. They can't put, you know, spirit and ghost. It just, we've watched too many movies. You know, we've seen too much. We've heard too much. And it's literally, though, the spirit of God. (laughs) So it's, it, he's not weird, and he's not an it. You don't say, hey, did you receive it this week? He, he's not an it. He's a personality. He has personality. He has character. He is God. And we have to get that straight in our heads. Robert Morris said this. He has a great book on the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Y'all have to help me. The God I Never Knew. Oh, man. The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. Fantastic. You can also watch it on YouTube. Uh, You can watch the teachings on it on YouTube, and it's excellent. He said this. He said, if we don't see the Holy Spirit as a person, we can never have a relationship with him. If he's an it, and we see him as an it, a spirit, an it, We will never have a relationship with him. We've got to start seeing Holy Spirit for who he is, and that is the Holy Spirit of God, and and we need to get to know his character. I have a relationship with Father, Father God because I've read about him. I've studied him. I pray to him. I talk to him. I feel normal about him. I don't mean I don't reverence him, but I feel comfortable talking about God. I feel like I know his character. I've studied Jesus. I've read his word. Shoot, I've even watched The Chosen. I feel like I know him. We got one amen in the back. I'm comfortable talking about Jesus in any crowd. God, the Father, Jesus, I'm comfortable talking about him in any crowd. But we seem to forget that the Holy Spirit is no different than God the Father and Jesus the Word. So when we shrink back from talking about him and we're not to the point of comfortable saying Holy Spirit as much as I am Jesus and the Father God, I've got to look at why. Because in these last days, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need him walking in our daily. And that is, where am I? 
title people are, The Holy Spirit in Daily Life. That's what this series is going to be. Because I, if he's the teacher of the church, I need to be taught. If he's the comforter, I need a comforter. If he's the spirit of truth and we're in a world of fake news, I need the truth. And if he is who he says he is in the word and who Jesus prepared his people to receive him, he knew we needed this. And yet we want to shrink back from talking about him. And and honestly, there's some crowds I, I probably shrink back from talking about him. Now, if they asked me, I would answer them. But just to talk to him like I would... Like I'd talk about the Father God and and Jesus. You know what it is? Fear. Because they feel like he's weird or they don't believe and so we shrink back. Look, the world is looking for the answer. They're looking for the answer. So at this church, we're going to talk about Holy Spirit. He didn't begin in the book of Acts. He wasn't born on the day of Pentecost. He always was. There's this beautiful little section of Psalm 104. You can turn there or not. I'm just going to read you just a fraction of it out of um, the Passion Translation. And and Psalm 104 is beautiful because it's all about creation. And it's beautifully written. It's it's like poetic. It's, it's, It's a great chapter to read about creation but the passion translation puts the last uh, verse 30 of it this way talking about God when you release your spirit life is created and that's what he did in Genesis when you release your spirit life is created on the New Testament side of that when God released his spirit on the day of Pentecost you know what was created New life. He's not doing anything different. He's getting to do it differently because he can do it differently in a born-again believer than he could in an Old Testament believer. Because they weren't spiritually alive, and we are. The Spirit would come upon them, but the Holy Spirit gets to live in you. Which means the life giver, the one who is really life, who can really make us feel like we're alive, And not the walking dead, as we talked about earlier this week. Lives. He doesn't just come on me. He lives in me. I love that. When you release your spirit, life is created. Thousands of people were born again. Their spirits born again, made alive to God on the day of Pentecost. Not just the people in the the upper room, but what is it, 3,000? Or so, am I remembering right? Thousands. When God's spirit was released, I get that kind of life-giving spirit in my daily. I just need to remember that. I have to remind myself of that when I start feeling like life isn't full. Not since today have I had to do that. When I read that in the Passion Translation, When you release your spirit, life is created. I thought, you know what? That's not weird. That's powerful. That's beautiful. So where did this weird label come from? Because that is beautiful. That is powerful. The spirit of God would come upon kings. 
the Spirit of God would come upon prophets. Talking Old Testament here. The Spirit of God would come upon uh, judges. The Spirit of God would come upon warriors. The Spirit of God would come upon men. The Spirit of God would come upon women. Deborah, for instance. Good name, Debbie, right? And, and, and he would give them words to speak. He would give them tasks to do, and he would anoint them to do it. Now, anoint is a fancy word and a spiritual-sounding word to say, he made them able to do it outside of who they were in the flesh. You know, I do what I do because of the anointing. I didn't talk to people. I didn't even like people. My, my mama, that's my mama. She can amen that. I told them the story about the preacher standing at the back of the church and how I wouldn't even shake his hand. In fact, I looked at my mama and said, I don't want to get my, hand, my gloves dirty. I had white gloves. You know What it really was, I didn't want to deal with people. I didn't want to talk to them. I didn't have anything to say. And now y'all can't get me to hush. That's, see, just remind yourselves about 9.30 tonight that it's the anointing of God, right? I'm just kidding. We don't go that late. We don't go that late. Usually. Can you imagine the thought that even under the Old Testament, how the Holy Spirit could come upon people and give them supernatural ability to do the things that God needed them to do and that he could do that through you? He's got to be in our daily, y'all. That's not weird. That's amazing. That's not scary. That's empowering. God asks you to do something. You guys, when you give your testimonies, that's tough. I mean, you stand up and you look at a crowd, and this is a, a fairly small crowd tonight, but when you stand up and you start talking about your personal business and you got a bunch of people looking at you, that's tough. Did you know you're anointed to do it? He told us to give our testimonies. He told us to give him glory. So when you get up there, you get up there and know that the anointing of God is on you to do it. That the spirit of God isn't just on you to do it. He's in you to do it. That's amazing. That's not weird. You can go back and read uh, about him coming on um, Basileel. And I'm probably mutilating these names. Uh, I don't speak Hebrew. It's found in Exodus. And, and you can turn there or not turn there. I'm just going to talk about it probably. But in Exodus 31, they're building the temple. And God, it says, he, he, taught, he tells the prophet to, to use Basileel. And he said in verse 3, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. With skill, with ability, with knowledge, in all kinds of crafts. Now see, a lot of times we think about the Spirit of God coming on people to preach, to give our testimony. But what about the Spirit of God coming on you and anointing your gifts, talents, and abilities? What about what you do for a living? What if God could anoint that? He can. He can't. It doesn't have to be behind a pulpit. He anointed and caused 
It says he filled him with the Spirit of God with skill, ability, knowledge in all kinds of crafts. What do you do? Well, Deuteronomy tells me he'll bless anything you set your hands to do. If you're doing it for him and for his glory, he can put his anointing on it. And your skill can go to a higher level. Do you know God wants to prosper you? He wants you to be a blessing. He wants you to be able to bless others, to help others, to take care of others. And one way he can do that is by blessing your gifts, talents, and skills. Verse 4 says, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. He gave him creativity. The Spirit of God being on him made him creative, gave him creative ideas. To cut and set stones, to work in wood. Anybody work in the wood shop? All of you, pretty much. Start, start asking God to anoint you with ideas. Why not you? Why not you? And to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Hmm. Let's start praying in the wood shop. Let's start praying over our businesses, our skills, our talents. Let's thank God for the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us who anoints us to bring him glory through what our hands do. Then we have Joshua. We're not going to turn there, but you can find this in Numbers 27, 18. God anoints, the Holy Spirit comes on Joshua to lead people. Anybody in here in a leadership position? You know what? You can expect God's anointing on that. Because if the Spirit of God is on you to do it, He has anointed you with the ability. And when tough days come, and leadership is hard, Remember, you're anointed to lead. Stop, shut up, listen to what the Spirit... Well, you shut up in this church. Shut up, listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you because He will guide you in leadership. The Spirit would come on people in the Old Testament to give them the ability to lead. Anybody ever heard of a man named Othniel? O-T-H, am I, I'm probably mutilating it again. I keep looking at my teachers back there. O-T-H-N-I-E-L. The spirit of, he was Caleb's younger brother. Remember Joshua, Caleb? He was Caleb's younger brother. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him to lead Israel and to go out to war. God's spirit came on him to go out to war to protect Israel. That's not weird. That's amazing. That's empowering. That's encouraging. That's found in Judges 3, by the way. Anybody ever heard of Gideon? Oh, my goodness, Gideon. The Midianites have, have suppressed the people, and, and the people are impoverished, and they're hungry. And, and Gideon is, is threshing wheat. He's hiding from the Midianites. And God comes to him, and he says, You mighty man of valor. He's saying this is the guy hiding. Let me tell you, God sees something in you that you may not see yet. But when his spirit is on you, man, he's bringing things out of you. He's bringing 
what God put in you and making it override what man has tried to label you. What you've tried to label you. When the Spirit of God is on you to anoint you to do something, and he did Gideon, and he approached Gideon, told Gideon what he needed to do, and Gideon started saying, Are you sure? Are you? Are you sure you're talking about me because my fam- this is literally what he said, my family's poor. <laughs> Your background does not excuse the power of God off you. If he wants to use you, he can anoint you, and it's not about you. You become a vessel and because and your family's poor. And then he said, and I'm the least in my house. I'm the black sheep of the family. Great. You know why? Because then nobody can say it was anything else other than the power of God working through you. So he used Gideon. And he gave Gideon a boldness and a courage to do what God needed to do. That's found in Judges 6. He changed him into a mighty man of valor. We talked about renaming things. What was that, Sunday night? Oh, man, mighty man of valor. Gideon was renamed. Samson. Hercules, right? Samson. In Judges 14, the spirit of the Lord would come on him and give him heroic strength. We're talking about Marvel comic stuff here. Crazy stuff. Crazy strength. Strength that could not be explained any other way than the spirit of God would come on him. Anybody ever need strength? That same Holy Spirit that dealt with all of these guys is the same Holy Spirit that you asked to receive this week that I received when I was about nine years old. And it changed who I was. I still have some of those personality traits. I'm still trying to clean some of those up. <laughs> I got an amen. That's my amen corner. I'm still trying to change some of those, but you know what? He loves the good things of your personality. He don't want a bunch of robots. But my goodness, he can encourage you. So I would encourage you to study each one of these. You've got their references. See uh, their lives, how their lives were affected when the spirit of, of God would come on them. But what I notice is that over and over and over and over again in all of these stories, and we didn't even scratch the surface of the people that it says, the Spirit came on, the Spirit came upon. We didn't, we didn't even get started. But every time it said it, the Spirit came upon, the Spirit came upon, the Spirit came upon. And, and I like words. I like to study words. And so I, I looked at that, came upon. Who would look that up? I don't know, me. I'm a word nerd. And so I looked it up, and this is, you know, in the biblical, the, the Hebrew concordance. And this is what it meant when the Spirit came upon. The Spirit came upon. Came upon means to push forward. To push forward. To make progress. To succeed. To be profitable. To make 
able to break out. And isn't that what the Holy Spirit does when he comes on us? When he comes in us, calls us to break out of who we thought we were and who the world thought we were, but calls us to push us forward into the things of God and quit letting our flesh rule our destiny. Our flesh rule who we are. Our flesh rule our identity. But he, when he comes upon us, he pushes us out. We have a breakout, if you will. He makes us able. He makes it profitable. He makes it successful. And he makes us progress. Man, those little words became real important to me. I got real happy in the office. This next one that we're going to look at just blew me away. So I want you to turn there. I've read this before. You may have read this before. But, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're studying to go deeper, and that's what Wednesday nights are at around here, then you just look at things a little deeper. 1 Samuel chapter 10, if you will. Find that one. It's in the Old Testament. And as I usually say, there's two books of Samuel, which makes it easier to find. We're looking for Samuel, 1 Samuel. Always like Psalms and Proverbs and the books that have more than one chapter because I can find them quicker. And we're just going to pick out one verse here, so I'm going to kind of set it up, give you the story around it. We may have to get some more tables. We can do it. All right, the prophet Samuel, and y'all, the prophets, they had to have the Holy Spirit come on them because they said what God told them to say, okay? So they were, they were with some of the ones that the Holy Spirit would come upon and God would move them to say certain things. He's speaking with a man named Saul. Now, this isn't Paul, Saul of the New Testament. This is who would soon be King Saul in the Old Testament, okay? He's speaking with Saul. And he's going to anoint Saul to be the king of Israel per God's instruction. And guess what Saul does? It was almost the same wording as Gideon. Are you sure? I'm of the smallest tribe. I'm the least in my father's house. I just love how God picks people. Saul lists the reasons why he should not be chosen. But Samuel does what God has asked him to do. And then he starts giving uh, Saul some instruction and some insight on some things that are to come. And then in verse 6, when this is Saul telling, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, this is uh, Samuel telling Saul some things that are fixing to happen. Some men are going to approach him and he tells him exactly how it's all going to go down. He says, when this happens, then the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you. How's the King James read that? Okay. There's that, that phrase. I'm reading out of the ESV, and it says, the Holy Spirit will rush upon you. King James Version says, Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Mm. I wish Mary was here so I could say, boom. <laughs> she... I borrow that word from her all the time. And be turned, and you will be turned, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will be turned into another man. Rhonda, that's not weird. 
That's wonderful. That's amazing. Because he's sitting here going, yeah, but I'm from the smallest tribe. I'm the least in my father's house. And he's going through all of these excuses why God should not push him forward, elevate him, use him, progress him, make him successful, make him able, and break him out from where he was. He has a gazillion excuses why. But when the Spirit comes upon you, Saul, this is what's going to happen. You're going to start prophesying. God's going to give him words to prophesy with these people that God's sending to him, and you will be turned into another man. Now, when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God's with you. This, that's not even the best part. I went to some of the commentaries, and I thought, I... I want to hear what some men who have studied the word all their lives have to say about that verse right there because that verse is powerful. It's powerful. And, you know, if you've received the Holy Spirit and you think, I don't know that I've changed. John and I talked about, I think it was me and John, talked about this a little bit in the office. Yes, we did. (laughs) Trying to think who I was preaching with. Tanya wasn't here today, so it had to be you. Um. You were talking about how when you received the Holy Spirit, you didn't automatically speak in other tongues. But you knew, you sensed there was a change in you and that you had received the Holy Spirit even though you hadn't spoken in your prayer language yet. And, and, and I, I, I get that. Because for me, receiving the Holy Spirit, and I, and I was born again at a very young age, and maybe that's why, being filled with the Holy Spirit was more momentous to me in changing my daily because I lived a Christian life all my life because of my family. It was the way I was raised. But when I received the Holy Spirit, I gained boldness and courage that I had none of. I was so shy. I would get so nauseated. We have this horrid picture. I should have brought it just to make y'all laugh. I was so cute, hair down to here, my little tutu, getting ready for my dance recital, professional picture, and I look like there is no blood in my body at all because I had been puking all day, right? Because to get me up in front of people was sickening. But about age nine, my best friend Gayla and I talked to our moms. And in our living room, at our couch, we asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was not changed into another man. I was changed into another woman. <laughs> Lest it be confused these days, I was changed into another woman. So when I read this, I just think, man, thank God. Some of you, I look around the room and I think, you know, where'd that come from? Life change. Kim, we never thought we'd see you in the kitchen. I know, right? And now she cooks for hundreds with us, with them, I eat. They, they cook. 
Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit brings things out of us. Barnes said this. This is Barnes' commentary of the Bible. He said, this is a remarkable expression, and it occurs nowhere else. This is the only place in Scripture that this phrase is used. It describes the change in point of mental power and energy which would result from the influx of the Spirit of the Lord. It literally changed the mindset, the mental power, and the energy of Saul when the Spirit came on him. Changed how he saw things. Changed how he saw himself. Listen, this is my favorite one. Jameson Fawcett Brown, always like his stuff. He said this was suddenly endowing him with the capacity and the disposition to act in a manner far superior to his previous character and habits. I'm going to say it again. If y'all need to take a picture of this afterwards, if you don't want to try to write this down, just you can let me know. Suddenly endowing him with a capacity, the capability, the capacity and disposition to act in a manner far superior to his previous character and habits, so that instead of the simplicity, ignorance, and sheepishness of a peasant, he would display an energy, wisdom, and mag... I can't even say that word. Worthy of a prince. God took him and made him a king. And it didn't take long. Because the Spirit came on him. The Spirit comes in you. It takes you from being who you were to being, well, a child of God. Sons and daughters of the Most High. We could go on and on with examples from the New Testament, but I want us to see tonight that the Holy Spirit has not changed. And when I read what he did in Saul, I read what he did in Gideon, I read what he did with David, all because the Spirit came upon them. His goodness has not changed, his character has not changed. His power has not changed. His effect on the human has not changed. But mankind has changed. And that's good. That's good. Because now, then the spirit would come and go. Like the spirit lifted off us all. The spirit would come on the prophet and then leave the prophet. He didn't always know what to say by God. But New Testament, he lives inside of you. He resides in you. He's in your daily. That means when you're talking with your family about a situation or you're talking with your attorney about a situation or you're talking uh, with a friend about a situation, if you will listen, the Holy Spirit can give you the words to speak. It'll come to you as a thought. And it'll be wise. Instead of me spouting off at the mouth and saying something stupid, and ruining everything that I've been trying to do because of my feelings. Now we're led by the Spirit instead of driven by the flesh. 
There's the difference. The spirit leads, the flesh drives. So there'll be this, man, I can't hardly wait for next week. All because Jesus came. And if you accept him, you are born again, which means your spirit is alive to God, is now capable of housing the Holy Spirit of God. You know, back, back in the day, you remember the Ark of the Covenant, most of us have seen movies about it, that it housed, it represented housing the presence of God. And if you touched it and you weren't supposed to touch it, you fried. Because it was an unholy man t- touching the presence of holy God. And so you remember the one guy just tried to steady it when it was on the cart to keep it from falling off, and he's gone. David gets mad. He leaves the ark and Obed-Edom, and then Obed-Edom starts getting blessed because they've got the ark there, and David goes back and gets it, brings it back into Jerusalem because they wanted the presence of God there. You have the presence of God inside of you every single day. And you know what it made David do? Dance like a crazy man. He danced like a crazy man. Some of us did a little bit of that last night. Was that last night? Yeah, it was last night. There was almost a Jericho march going on. At least Brother Jeff started it, and then we all kind of watched him. But he had a great time. And you know what? David said, I will be even more undignified than this. Why? Because he had the presence of God represented in a box. And you've got the presence of God dwelling in us. Dwelling in us. Guiding us in our everyday life. That is, that's not weird. That's amazing. That's life-altering. That is life-saving to have Holy Spirit dwelling with us. God has always wanted to dwell with man. From the beginning, he made Adam and Eve so he could dwell with them. He would walk with them and talk with them in the cool of the day. Out in the garden. You might just strolling with God. Talking about what we're going to name this creature over here. I want to talk to them about some of those names too, don't y'all? Just daily. Just daily stuff. And we feel like it has to be a big thing for us to bring to God. Oh, he created us for the daily. So man messed up separated from God, then he sends Jesus in the world, and Jesus walked with man. You know what he did? He talked about corn. He talked about wheat. He taught them lessons by the things. They'd be walking through a field. He'd walk past a tree, a fig tree. He would teach them a lesson from them. They're just walking with God daily. They don't really know it yet. They're starting to figure it out. They're walking with God daily. They're getting to talk to him on the daily. Just normal stuff. Hey, one guy said, my mother-in-law's sick. Okay, Jesus goes and heals her. I'm just, she's sick. She had a fever. What a big deal. They're just walking with God. And Jesus had to leave, but you know what? God won't, he won't leave man alone. So he sends Holy Spirit. Now we get to walk with God. On the daily. The little stuff. Hey, my grandkids got a fever. Let's talk about that. We're having this issue at work. Let's talk about that. Holy Spirit, show me what to do on that. You're the comforter. You're, you're the truth. Let's talk about that. We've got to get comfortable with the God we now walk with. 
and that is Holy Spirit. I don't even know where I'm going next. Isaiah 11. I'm going to wrap it up. Y'all get to talk tonight. So I forgot to say that. The guys know that. Uh, the girls may not. Uh, but if you got something tonight or you want to bring something up, uh, we have a, a roaming mic who will find you afterwards and we'll, we'll get your take on it. This is the prophet Isaiah's words about Jesus. But I think it shows a lot about the Holy Spirit. And we'll pick back up here next week and we'll probably look at each one of those if that's the way he directs us to go. Isaiah 11, verse 1, this is prophetic words. This is for Jesus is ever physically on the earth. And the prophet is prophesying about the one that is to come. He says, there will come forth, verse 1, there will come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, so it's going to come from the house of Jesse, and a branch will grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. And the spirit will make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge after what he sees, neither reprove after what he hears. And this, this is Old Testament talking about Jesus who would come, and this is what the Spirit does. He is the Spirit of wisdom. This is what he brings you. The Holy Spirit in you offers you, well, you don't have to take it, but you are offered wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, quick understanding, judgment, proper judgment, not by what we see and not by what we hear, but what we know by the Spirit of the Lord. We'll pick that up next week. But I want you to see that even Old Testament is showing who Holy Spirit is and what He is going to bring into the New Testament because that's who He already was. Always who he was. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is his role in mankind? I'm telling you, he's here to walk with you in the daily. And when somebody says, pray for me, don't back up. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You listen to what he has to say. Sometimes you'll say things that you didn't have any way of knowing. It's, it's amazing. Your life will never be the same. When you, I mean, we're all still learning how to walk in this, right? Mom's soon to be 83, soon to be 83 in May, and she's, she's still learning, you know? She's still growing in walking with the Holy Spirit daily. But my goodness, let's not shrink back. Treat him like he's a weirdo. He's amazing. Amen.